0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. ...about your ways. And so what we have to understand, if you and I, I don't know about you, but I want everything to go smooth. I want every one of the dreams I have to be fulfilled instantly. But see, opposition is not impossible if you're going for God. When Joni and I decided to go to Africa, we got there, we had great dreams. I did not know how I would miss a telephone until I got there. I did not know that I'd miss going to a faucet and turn it on and water would come out. But I believe that if I went there, great things could happen. And so we went. And I want to tell you, there's adversities there. Some days you had no electricity, sometimes for months. <clears throat> you didn't have any water coming in, you couldn't wash your clothes. And if you washed them, you had to carry buckets and put them in the washer and then, when it drained out, you had to get buckets full again to put in the rents. Then you had to hang them up. Aren't you gl- How many women are glad you don't have to hang them up anymore? Okay, if your wife didn't raise her hand, put up a clothesline tomorrow. She's misses hanging up clothes. But you know, there were adversities there. But God really was doing something spectacular. One day, I, I, we went to church. My poor wife. They have bugs that come out of the ground that fly. And so we're in church and it starts to rain. Now we were having church in a tent and it starts to rain and all these bugs are coming out of the ground. And it looks like a cloud and they're coming in. And my wife has light skin and red hair and they all are after her. So I'm looking. And I'm preaching, and she gets up and runs out the tent. I thought the Holy Ghost don't no, She's trying to get away from those things. There are adversities. Didn't have a building like this. Didn't have lights or air-conditioned heat. But many times when there's adversity, God will move if you'll believe. We were going, going to go home. I'll tell one more. And I couldn't get my car started. Well, my car was an old Range Rover I had bought. I paid $18,000 for an 18-year-old Range Rover that didn't work half the time. So I couldn't get it started. So some of my young men there said, Pastor, we got a mechanic. So I said, praise the Lord. So I said, let him fix it. Well, I heard this banging. And so I went over to my Range over it, didn't work out. And he has a big old hammer beating the engine. And I grabbed that from him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to get it to start. That was a night of adversity. It never ran half the time, but now he's beating it with a big old hammer. But God, in spite of it all, can bring great victory. We've seen great victory. I've seen... A little girl, little girl, about I don't guess she's about eleven, that was on her way home, and there was a dead baby laying there. And we had just taught on that Jesus said that what he did you could do. And so this little girl's there, and she goes into the crowd and they're gathered around this baby, all the women, and they're wailing, and this little baby's dead, laying in the dirt, and she crawls under the legs of one of the ladies, touches the baby, and says, be healed and Jesus and the baby came back to life I told this here before but I went to church that night and the biggest crowd we'd ever had was there and I'm feeling good to come to see the white guy and so I said to my interpreter wow he said that's not you they come to see I said well who did they come see he said the little girl that heard you say Jesus said we could raise the dead on the way home, she raised a dead baby. That's adversity. That's, that's something that's happened that just seems so impossible. And yet, when we believe, God's able to use us and do great and mighty things. You and I tonight, in spite of any adversity we're facing, there's a God there waiting to help us. No matter what problem you face, we got a God that's bigger. You're all missing a good place to say amen here. See, opposition doesn't mean God's not with you. All it means is God has a miracle for you. Oh, I know it was good to be a disciple. I know it was good to see him take a boy's lunch and feed all those people. I know it's good to see him raise the dead and all as he was been moving. But John had to lay his head on a chopping block and it was cut off. It seems like it's not fair. It seems like maybe it's not the will of God. But in that, only God knows with victories it was won because of John. Adversity. Paul said, there's a great door and effectual opportunities open, but there are many adversities. We have a tendency as human beings to look at the adversities and not look to God. History tells us some of the greatest moves of God in all of history came out of impossible situations where people would look what they're going through or what's happening, and they'd say, why is this happening to me? But in the end, God bought tremendous victory. But sometimes we just get our eyes on the problem instead of the problem solver. You ever done that? Many times we look at the situation instead of the God who spoke and the world became. And so tonight, great victory, if you want God to use you, doesn't mean you'll never have a problem. It just means you always have a problem solver that will help you in the midst of it. Amen. I was 30 years old. and we were, I was uh, finishing Bible school there. And I felt led, and I've shared this here, but this was a great miracle. One of the greatest miracles I've ever seen. And so I was raised in a Methodist church. So I, could, I knew hear our prayer, O Lord, and I knew all the things you repeat on Sundays. I've been there all my whole life. And I felt God say to me, send a letter to the pastor of the church where you were raised and tell him you want to hold a revival. Well, that's the least thing you do is tell the pastor you want to come hold a revival in his church, especially the church I was raised in. I remember growing up in there, nobody talked, nobody amen. They all come in there, and the most exciting thing that we did was sing, Hear our prayer, O Lord. And so I sent this letter off, prayed over it, and I thought to myself, if this happens, it's bigger than a miracle. But I felt I should send it to him. There was what you know what a diverse a, a, <laughs> the problem is sometimes it's called church boards <clears throat> they fight over what color carpet they want and everything and so he took it to the church board and so they had a meeting well i thought well that's over with and so i got a letter back a few weeks later and says the pastor wrote me a letter and he said uh I heard you were raised in this church and your family. So we took your letter to the church board and I was ready to throw it down right there. I thought, well, it's not going to happen. And he said, we've decided that we won't support it or back it or come to it, but you can use our building. And so myself and two guys from school I was going to, we went door to door passing out pamphlets And the first night, we had a massive crowd of my family. (laughs) My grandfather, grandmother, mother, dad, and cousins, and my sister came because my mom and dad made her. So I remember, I thought, I'm doing the will of God. God wants me to do this. And I gave an altar call. My grandfather came. And so then... There was a camp meeting going on in Silver Hills in New Albany and they had a thing for the young people that had about 100 young people at this camp and adults and they'd have three services a day. <clears throat> so I went up there and I started talking to these young people. And we were sitting under this big oak tree. And uh, as we were sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to get them to come to the service. Because I felt like God said to me he can move in young people. And so I just broke a limb off that oak tree, and it, for you, it's never seen real leaves and big trees. The oak leaves are big. Yeah. And so I said to you, I dare you to take one of these and pin it on you and wear it to ch- school tomorrow." And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, "If somebody comes up and says, "Why are you wearing a leaf?" say, "I'm glad you ask." And I want you to invite them to the revival. So you know what they did? They did it. They went to school and they were wearing leaves. Now you know what? There's adversities if you wear leaves to school. <clears throat> Only Eve and Adam could do it. Nobody else. And so people would, they would ask them, why, why are you wearing leaf? Well, I'm going to this revival night. I'd like for you to go with us. And so as they begin to share that night, about 25 young people came that they'd invited those people around there at the campground, 25 counting themselves. And we had an altar call, and I gave an altar call, and all the young people came to the altar. And we prayed a sinner's prayer, and I said, now wear it again tomorrow to school. So the next day they went back to school. By the time the first week was over with, that Methodist church was full of nothing but young people. Full of it. Church council wasn't there. Pastor wasn't there. Young people were there. And they started getting saved. So so I created a problem. I didn't tell them to do this. So the Baptist kids went back to the Baptist church and the prayer church, all their churches, and they said, you need to come to this revival. So we went several weeks every night at this revival. It got so big that we couldn't hold them in the Methodist church. We couldn't hold them in the Presbyterian church. The only church big enough was First Southern Baptist church that seated 800. By the second night in the Southern Baptist church, it was packed with teenagers. Amen. I mean packed. This is a miracle of God. Adversity? I was still Methodist. And these kids were raising their hands. And I didn't know how to control them. They got excited with praising God without anybody telling them. And out of this revival, I'm telling this for the glory of God. What seemed so impossible and something that shouldn't have worked out, God began to move. And this went for five weeks. The power of God, it shook every church. The Baptist pastor had a problem. His kids act like Pentecostals. <laughs> some people have never seen that. I hadn't seen anything like that. The first miracle I've seen was in that meeting. One of the fathers bought his kids, going to see what's going on, and he had got his hand in a power mower and cut some fingers off. And they sold him back on. He was in pain. And I remember giving an altar call. And we we're ready to go home. And one of the young girls said, my dad's here. Can we pray? Can God do miracles? I had never prayed for anybody for a miracle like that. So all these young people gathered around him and laid hands on that hand that was all bandaged up. And immediately this man shouted out, I'm healed. The pain has gone. And out of that, eternity was forever shook. Because I begin to believe God could heal, And they begin to believe God could heal. And some of those young people been in ministries, they went to the mission field, all because when things looked so impossible and you believed anyway, God moved. Yeah. We're living in that day today. Paul said, "A great door and effectual is open, but there are many adversaries." I bet some of you have ate more. I bet some of you ate more McDonald's hamburgers that could fill the lake. But you know, they didn't make it the first time they opened the door. When I was a boy, now some of you can remember, you're as old as I am. You didn't go out and eat. (coughs) When McDonald's came to town, nobody knew what it was. And for the first few months, they didn't do good at all. They were talking about maybe closing that store and going to another town. Because we didn't go out and eat. That was not the lifestyle in those days. But if McDonald's would have trusted us, how many hamburgers have they sold? Billions and billions, I think. They helped all these great druggists They've helped them tremendous. Roll-Aids has become a, something for the family home because of these fast food restaurants. But you know, in life, you never know how it's going to play out until you venture. David Wilkerson had no idea what was going to happen. That's one of the greatest miracles. In the world. That was 1960. He did that, at 62 years ago. God began to move. They come in to riot, and they God began to move on them. They begin to get saved. Nikki Cruz got saved. The gang leaders got saved. <clears throat> As a result of that, they've opened Teen Challenge, and Teen Challenge has taken people off the streets. And multitudes of lives have been touched all because of man when it seemed so impossible and it was full of every obstacles. He said, I'm going to try it and God blessed him. Yeah. You li- your life and my life can be blessed by God if we'll venture. Right. Yeah. If you'll say to God, I'm going to do something and you're going to have me. We all love David, but how many knows David? David, I'm sure when he stood before the giant. It looks so impossible. But see, that's, we, we serve a God that's the God of the impossible, the God that can take a life. You're not going to believe this. I got nervous and I couldn't even talk in speech class. You say, "Well, I wish you that away now." <laughs> but I was raised, you know, in an all-white town. Never seen a Mexican in my life until I come out here. And they really disappointed me because only the white people wear the sombreros. See, you don't know how your life's going to play out. And even though there's many adversities, you can say, well, I can't talk plain. Well, God can still use you. Well, I can't sing. God can still use you. I'm thinking tonight about that teacher in Russia. This happened in the later part of the 1960s, right before 1970. He had given his heart to Christ, and he was a teacher in the school, and he had about 20 students. And so he wanted to share the gospel with them. And so he kept them after school, those who could stay. And he began to tell them about Jesus had died for them, and they could have eternal life. The word got back out that he was meeting with these kids. One of the kids went home and just said, I was at a class and I heard about Jesus and the parents got mad. They got a hold of the government. And so one day as he was having his little class after school, the soldiers came in and grabbed him. All he was doing was sharing the good news. Trying to help these young people. And so you know what they did? They took some of those young people and took bamboo sticks, jabbed them in their ears till they could hear no more. And they grabbed this teacher, took him out into the schoolyard, pulled his tongue out and cut it off, and led him to waller in his blood and die right on that platform. But you know, out of that. A young girl was converted. Out of that, this young girl began to serve God. She ended up leaving Russia to share the gospel. And great revival broke out for her, all because a man dared to face adversity and do what God wanted him to do. All of us have heroes. But how many knows you can be a hero and I can be a hero if we trust God, many of us have been watching the home run thing on TV. How many you have been watching it? Well, I've been watching it. Nobody here watched it. But I, I was raised that Babe Ruth was the greatest player when he hit 60 home runs. I was just a little kid, and grew up that he had the record. Since then, it's been broken. But in the American League, there was a young man by the name of Roger Maris that broke it. He hit 61 home runs. In our generation right now, I think it was last night, multitudes of people filled a stadium that really was never full because there was a guy named Aaron Judge that had tied Roger Maris for the— record in the American League at sixty-one home runs. When he would come up to bat in the last six or seven games, or how many it was, before he hit the one that was the bigger one. All these TV stations would tune in to that one time. Every time he bat, they would join the network. Last night he hit that thing. Number sixty-two. But he didn't hit it because it was easy. He didn't hit it because he just had natural ability. But over a period of time, he trained or gave his life to playing ball. And then there was a moment in time he excelled. And every news media flashed it on. Pictures of him went around the world because he had hit 62 home runs. You know what? You and I can be that person. Not to hit a home run, but our lives could be touched in a moment. It seems nothing's going right. It seems like our lives are not mattering at all to nobody. But in the midst of when it seems that, that's when God comes on the scene. And He makes you what you couldn't have never been. And He uses you to do things you never could have done. And you and I, as we surrender to Him... We can see that. All great revivals started in adversity. All of them. I shared a few years ago here about Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. The same time God was using me in that revival with young people, Asbury was ready to have an assembly every day. Every day they had to go to chapel before lunch. They had chapel service. And so the whole place was full of college kids and girls, guys. And there were those old wooden seats, theater seats, wooden. You just pull it down and sit in them. And so in this college service, when they were ready to have it, there had been two ladies in Wilmore, Kentucky, that every day had met together to pray. And they've been praying for three years that God would pour out His Spirit. This is a Methodist school, basically. It was not Pentecostal, and so they would pray. And in that service was a young man that had to get kicked out two times out of college, and his parents begged him to let him come back in. And they said, "We're letting you back in one more time, but this will be your last time." The service started. The songs were being sang. And then in between a song, this young man said, I got something to say. He said, I've been a problem to this school. He said, do you remember when you all came in and somebody had took a big can of lard and greased all the seats and you sit down and slough. You remember that? That was me. He said, I've done everything wrong, but I want to repent today. And I'm going to come down to the altar and make my heart right with God. A revival broke out. They had cooked lunch for 1,600 students. The revival service was usually 45 minutes. And it started early that morning, and it was noon, and the kids were still there. They wouldn't leave. These young people had their hands up, singing and worshiping God. And a young man come to the platform and said, I'd like to say something. He said, I'm ready to graduate in a couple months. I'm a senior. But I've cheated every year. I don't deserve to graduate. He said, I want to repent and I'll start over. I want to be right with God. And he knelt down at the altar. And when he did, that place exploded. If you'd like to hear about that, you can go online and asked about the Asbury revival, and they'll bring up the president of the school was Dennis Kinlaw, and he will share with you what happened at that school. Nobody would go home; they were there night, and they were there days. Nobody went and ate. You know, you got revival; nobody eat. Well, maybe you fast a lot, but I like to eat myself. And so it went on. All because, it's impossible to might seem, two little ladies started praying and and wouldn't let go. Said, God, we want revival for this school and these students. And I remember we were in revival in that youth meeting. And so we took one night off, and I drove to Wilmore, Kentucky, From southern Indiana. When I got to the chapel, there's big steps going up to the chapel. There was nothing but shoes there. Everybody left their shoes there because they said it was too holy to walk inside with shoes on. WAVE and WHAS from Louisville, Kentucky was filming it. One of the broadcasters even said on the news, and you'll see that if you look it up, he said, uh, I'd recommend you go see what's going on to his audience. (coughs) Impossibilities, yes. That many young people keep them from lunch? Impossible. And they wouldn't go home to the dorm and sleep. That's impossible. How do you get about 1,800 kids not to go sleep? A lot of kids sleep in school. They don't even go home to sleep. They sleep in school. But anyway, revival breaks out. Now, you know, I don't know the name of these two ladies. I don't think there's a book written about them other than they prayed for revival. Revival. I'm sure every day they get together, it seemed like they'd pray and nothing would happen. I'm sure they got discouraged. But they kept praying. And the, if you'd have put, you and I had put revival together, we would have never done it that way. We would have got them in and had, <laughs> lightning would come, thunder would flash, right? Voice say, This is the Lord, you're going to hell, you've got to repent. We'd really make it dramatic, but two little ladies prayed, calling on God, standing in the gap for all these kids. I remember standing there; I couldn't believe it. The pres—I—I I, I never felt anything like this. this. is The first time I really ever had an encounter like that, and the power of God was so real, I couldn't move. Presence sweeping in and across, and this went day and night for. Days I believe it lasted six or seven days. Too many years. I'm too old to remember everything. But if two little ladies, very old ladies, can touch the heaven, have what can happen with you or me? Why? Why? Why not? Why, why couldn't it happen? I'll tell you the adversity, why it not happen with us, because the devil tells you you can't do any good. You're just one person, it ain't going to happen. But I want to tell you, God is going to pour out his spirit. They said to Babe Ruth, they said, Babe Ruth, what do you do when you strike out? You know what he said? I get up the next time and hit the ball out of the park. There's times we strike out when we try to do something, don't we? But we're not supposed to stop. We've got to get up again. We've got to face, even though we struck out, we just got to face, say, well, I was struck out then, but I'm not going to strike out now. Yeah. And God is looking for us to stand in the gap. Stand in the gap and believe in God for great things. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Wilson, Pastor John, they all know this, but we all know someone named Harold Warner. Harold Warner was saved in the Jesus movement in Prescott. Just transformed. He's back at Cape Cod. His family, you know, was a pretty nice life. He took off to live the life, hippie life. And he got to Prescott, and they were having outdoor concerts. And he answered the altar call and gave his life to Christ. Out of that, he began to serve God in the church, had a vision for what God could do. And you know what happened? Him and uh, another guy was going to check out this town because Harold was going to pioneer a church and they had a wreck and Harold was paralyzed. The apostles faced him. It looks like it can never happen. But Harold kept pushing on And finally they launched him and sent him into Tucson, Arizona in a wheelchair with his wife to start a church. Everything's against him, but one, and that's God. He began to pioneer. He witnessed everywhere he went. He had to roll his wheelchair up to his car and put it in and just had a tough life trying to do what most people that was not paralyzed could do very easy. But God began to help Harold. And today, he runs over a thousand people, not because he's saying, because I've been on this platform. He can't, he, I heard him. He can't sing. Not because he's got it all together. he's in a wheelchair. Matter of fact, because of that, he lost the leg because of his circulation. But he believed God. And God says, I've got a man. He's in a wheelchair. Other people could do it easier, but I'm going to put my hand on him blessing. Yeah. And today, he has sent young men around the world. Pioneered all over America. Only heaven knows how many people has been saved. Because Harold... In the midst of impossibilities, believe God. We have only one life to live. That's what the Bible says. We just have the memories. But what about the vision for tomorrow? Babe Bruce said, remember what he said? If you strike out, you get up and hit a home run. And though you might have tried, you've been believing God, didn't look right, I want to tell you, God's still on the throne. Amen. Patton, that great leader, said, even if it looks like you're defeated, take a risk and engage the enemy again. Amen. That's what made him a great leader. It wasn't what he seen. He had a vision that he was going to win in the end. And you know what the Bible says? You're going to win in the end. I said, you're going to win in the end. How did John win when they took his head off? Well, only eternity is going to reveal the effect John had upon those people's lives that affected eternity. We love about the guys in prison that finally, after a while, they begin to sing and worship God, and the door was open. That's an encouragement to us, to believe God. But to be a disciple in those early days was a tough life. But because of them, you and I are where we're at today. They grabbed the opportunity. They took with what God gave them. And today, you and I are encouraged, and we serve God because of their life. Can you imagine being those fishermen? When Jesus came by, and they had fished all night and they didn't have any fish, and they had no way to pay the bills, and Jesus comes down after they clean the boats and nets and says, "Go out again." Now that don't make sense, humanly, right? But they said, "At your word, we will." And the Bible said they went out. Now Jesus said, "Let down your nets." They went out, and the Bible said they let down a net and caught so many fish they filled their boat and all their friends' boats. What would have happened if they had threw two nets in? I've asked myself about my life: Have I only thrown one net in? Could it be different if I'd have done something else or? more God is a God that's so big he's so marvelous that's waiting to bless you and bless us and help us and sometimes we're just happy with what we got and we miss what God can do in our lives What do you do if you invite somebody to church and they refuse to come? Will you get up again and swing the bats, What you do. What if you pray for somebody? One time I was in a revival, I prayed for this guy, and he came back the next night, and he said, since you pray for me, I'm worse. What do you do? Say, well, I quit, I'm worse. Well, you just pray again. You pray again. And I want to tell you, the person in your seat, if they'll trust God, they're going to see something be a part of something they never dreamed was possible. If you and I as a group will believe God, we'll see something we never dreamed could happen. Folks, when I wrote that letter back home, I was young. I just wanted a place to preach and I thought maybe they'd let me come because I was raised in that church. I had no idea what would happen. Had no idea. But I'm glad I did it. I'm glad that I got to see that and go to the Asbury Revival and see the park. That Asbury Revival is so powerful that the cameraman that's filming it while the news is going on leaves his camera running and goes to the altar and got saved. You said, boy, I'd like to be in something like that. Well, it only happened because two little women prayed and they wouldn't quit praying. And when the devil would tell them when they pray, well, it ain't happened. Probably every morning when you get to your prayer you say, well, you're here to waste another morning, are you? That's what the devil's saying. But see, God can take what seems so insignificant and he lays his hand on it and great things happen. As we're here tonight, I want to encourage you. Throw out the net. Throw it out. Dare to believe God. But you know, fish don't come and you can't catch them this time. Do it anyway. When they t- all of Saul's army says he's too big, he's a champion, we don't stand a chance. Say, I'll go, I'll go, I'll kill the giant. I close with this one thing. If you ever read the book, Through Gates of Splendor, it's about some missionaries Jim Elliott and his friends, Ned St. and them. They were all straight-A scholar students at Wheaton. They're ready to graduate. They're offered churches, big churches, and security. And you know what they said? No. We've been praying, and God wants us to go to this tribe called the Alka Indians. It's never been touched by the gospel. And we're going to go, and one of them was a pilot. They had a little plane they took. And we're going to believe God to reach this heathen headhunters for Jesus. In one part of the book, it tells us that uh, people try to discourage him. Don't waste your life. No, we're going to go. We're going. So they went. They took their wives and their children. Some were married and had little children. They were living in the jungle area. And every day they'd fly the plane over where the tribes was living and drop gifts and stuff, hoping to get some favor of those Aka headhunter, Aka Indians, for the gospel. They could have been in a nice pulpit, but they dare risk when God put it on their hearts to do something that had never been done before. Well, over a period of time, they go out, and they radio back to their wives. The Indians are coming. We see them coming. We're going to try to reach them today. The day passed. They didn't get home, so they sent out a search party. And what had happened? The Alka Indians that they had come to give their lives to had speared them in the back and left them dead in the river. What would I do or what would you do if it was us? Their wives just lost their husbands. Their children just lost their fathers to a, a tribe of headhunters. What would we do? So they were encouraged to come home. And Elizabeth, how many of you ever read a book by Elizabeth Elliot? A famous Christian writer. Said No. I'm going to try to get in their tribe and witness to them. So, they they didn't know this, but the Alka Indians, when they killed a man, had to take the family in and care for them, the wife and kids. So, these ladies went and started living with the headhunters that killed their husbands, murdered them. What would we do? They began to learn the language of the Alkas. And one by one, they begin to get them converted. As this played out, you know what those... It, the very guys who killed our, those missionaries begin to preach the gospel. They begin to travel in America sharing the good news with our people here in America. All because somebody risked and believed God to use their life and do a miracle. You know, I don't like the price of gas when I filled up today. I can't believe it was $85 to fill my truck up. But what's that got to do with God? I get so consumed with gas prices and who's in the White House and who's here and there that I can miss an opportunity to see God move. This is a day of revival. Revival. I believe it. I believe this is a day that you and I can be part of a revival. That we can see sinners, that the world never would dream, would darken a church, get saved and begin to evangelize and preach the gospel. And we could see a mighty outpouring if we dare believe God. Let's bow our heads together. God is good tonight. And God wants to use you and me, the person in your chair, And I believe God can use us. Though we might not have the talent or the abilities, God can make what we have be an instrument of revival before Jesus comes again. We appreciate all that's listening online today. and We appreciate you joining us in the service. But you too, God has a purpose for your life. And God has something special for you to do. I want to do something tonight. How many of us would dare just say, you know what, I don't know what I have to give. I don't know if i got any talent or anything. But if God could use me and I could be a part of something that would spark a revival before Jesus comes, I want to do it. You just stand up with me. Just stand up and say, I want to be a part of what God's going to do. I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to make myself available. And, and God, if God can touch me and use me, I'm available. Let's pray together and say, Lord, there's nothing impossible for you. And tonight, I want to see a mighty move of God. And whatever way you could use me, whether I have talent or not, I want you to touch my heart right now and give me a vision For what you're about to do. I give my life to you tonight. I give my life to be used by you tonight. And let me, Lord, be a part to touch lives. That they might know you. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was thinking while I was preaching. I wonder who's in this building tonight that... We just know each other and we're here. But I wonder who's in this building could spark a revival. An outpouring of God where sinners could come to know Jesus. It could be you. And I believe God, if you believe, can make it you. There's a song and I'm closing. Lord, lay some soul upon my life. And love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part to win that soul for thee. Let's do that. God bless us. Help us. Give us courage to believe. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, use our lives to make a difference. And send a great revival. And I would like to be a part of it, Lord. And we'd like to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.